Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a great day out there today. So we're out here at Sports Sunday and no, my good friend T-Nix is now with me today. Um, three times, that was plenty, so no need to overdo it, you know. You got something good, don't need to have overkill on it, right? But anyways, this was inspired by my good friend a little bit, so um, we got the sport of volleyball, right? And through the sport of volleyball, I'd never been into it too much, I'd never watched it all that much, um, especially in terms of indoor volleyball. You know, growing up, you have a little bit of beach volleyball around, uh, beach volleyball around, and stuff like that, and it's a ton of fun, two-person game, and, uh, you know, it was always fun to watch, and then I got out there, you know, mess, not playing competitively at all, but messing around, and man, it is tough to run around that sand all the time, um, it's, it's a freaking workout, that's for sure, but anyways, um, watching the indoor volleyball, that probably never started for me until about 20, I believe it was 2012, in the London Olympics back then. Um, that's when I really first started getting into it for both men and women's, and it's a fantastic sport, amazing. It's got some nuances, some intricacies, um, and at the time, I was very much a amateur watcher. I knew extremely little about the sport other than like, all right, sweet, let's hit it over the net, and we got six people on a team. Um, but it was, it's been an absolute blast and a show of athleticism all along the way. But today I wanted to focus on a special position, on the position of the libero. And so you got six people on the on the court for each side. And some of you might notice that one of the players has a different colored shirt or something on there. Well, that's the libero. And they're kind of known as the major defensive specialist um, on the team. And so I'm going to describe a little bit about some of the rules and um, a baseline fundamental differences about the libero compared to many of the other players on the court and what's important about his or her specialty on there and what advantages it can provide. Then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the nuances that make training for this position different from some of the other volleyball positions as well and uh, what you have to watch out for as far as certain injuries again compared to other volleyball positions. So the libero is a defensive specialist. So typically for the sport of volleyball, you've got six players either side, and you have three contacts. Um, so it hits over, and, it's, and the same player cannot touch the ball more than once. So you can have two different players that go one, 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 back and forth, and hit it, and, and that's good. Um, but again, you have three contacts to hit it over the net. And obviously you can't do anything that looks like you have a constant contact with the ball. Um, you can you can have the bump, put the hands together. You can have a set, which sets it straight up. Or you can have a hit, which is formerly known as a spike, which is kind of tall over the net, getting up there. It's obvious, neat without saying, that jumping power is absolutely huge in the sport of volleyball, especially for indoor volleyball, far more than beach volleyball is. It's important for beach volleyball, but incredibly important for indoor volleyball. From both in terms of having the hit, having the attack, nice and strong, uh, then also for having um, defense, for being able to get up there and block the shot, 
and have the ball fall and bounce and everything and knock it back in there. But what's unique about the libero is that jumping power in terms of height vertical isn't as essential because they, by rule, by default, they cannot hit the ball, so they can't block the ball at all. They can't block the ball or attempt to block the ball um, at the level of the net. And they can't hit a ball when it's at the level of the, of the top part of the net or over. They're not allowed to hit it at all. So it kind of restricts what they can do. But they are able to move around the court with a lot more freedom, switch on and off between different positions more than what any other player can do. And they don't have those restrictions in place. So it does, again, without going into all the nuances of it, they've kind of got free reign over the court. They can squat positions with a backline defender at any time that they want to strategically without having to notify the refs, which you do for some other positions in there for some other swaps. Again, I don't want to get too bogged down in all the little rules. Um, one, because to be honest with y'all, I don't understand every single little nuanced detail of it. Um, but kind of like NFL football, I understand the 90% of the 95% that makes it watching viewable really easy and everything. Um, and so, for example, for NFL football, some of the set, because I only played football for two years at a younger age, some of the sets of saying, okay, there's an illegal offensive formation. I may not always understand why that formation was illegal for every single formation. I believe when it's illegal. I believe that, hey, it looks different or it looks awkward. Or, you know, which players are eligible or ineligible runners on the play. Or eligible or ineligible receivers. I'll get that about half the time. But do I constantly, consistently get that? No. My knowledge for volleyball is about the same. I know enough to follow the sport. I know where there are penalties involved. Do I know those little 5-10% of nuances? No, not really. Um, but it's enough to appreciate the sport, appreciate the art of it, and appreciate all the training that goes into it. So with this libero, their defensive specialist, what they're really utilized for compared to many of the other people throughout, um, throughout the volleyball court is they're made to dive the ball. They're made to dig, what we call it. So they're kind of going all around really fast and they're basically diving out when the, for the ball, especially from a serve or from a spike slash a hit and attack from above the net from the other team. So they're the ones that kind of hit it straight up in the air to have a lot of control over it. So we think about this ball zooming really fast with a ton of velocity. The libero's got to be able to hit the ball with a certain angle and control and precision to spike it up almost straight up into the air or even you know, aim a directed pass towards his or her teammates without messing everything up, without, you know, with keeping it in bounds, keeping it in control, even getting it to specific teammates that they want to, so that that's the contact number one. Ideally, contact number two is the set. Sometimes the setter will just push it over to kind of change momentum or poke it over. Other than number three is the hit or the spike. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of energy for the libero to be able to redirect these hits to make sure that it sets it up in good position for his or her team. It's a tough job. And again, like I said, it's a lot of laying out. It's a lot of diving deep for it. And you are having your legs and your arms and gut on the court for a long period of time. Um, very fast too. So if you watch a volleyball game, especially, especially more on the defensive side or the defensive sequence, what you're gonna find throughout that time 
is that the Libero is that they're, they start out with their knees bent more. They're a lot closer to the ground to begin with. They're kind of in an athletic stance, but an even lower athletic stance because they know that they're very likely going to have to dive to the ground, especially where the ball goes because they have a huge radius, just like a wide receiver in football has a catching radius, or let's say an NBA basketball player has a dunk radius for where their arms can go, for how long it can go. We have a very similar thing for the libero about how what's that range that he or she can dive into. Um, and again, with my friend, he, he's been loving watching the girls from the University of Nebraska. They do a fantastic job. Volleyball right now, for the women at least, is in the middle of the NCAA tournament, well, middle slash early NCAA tournament. And I've enjoyed watching a few of the games with him and getting into it. Even more learning, even more of some of the detailed rules. But just appreciating these um, in-depth athletic events that are an absolute blast. So, we got the libero, right? And we got kind of the idea of sprawling out, really making sure you got the energy that you need. So what do we do for training for this position and what are we worried about? Well, let's talk about what we're worried about first. With some of the um, larger volleyball players, some of the people closer to the line, the net, you're worried about twisting ankles all the time and even some of the influencing influences from getting your feet stepped on and rolling ankles just like in basketball, but from the opposing teammates. Your hands can't cross over the net, but your feet can be at the bottom of the net too. So for safety, we do got to be worried about that along the way. But for the libero, it's a lot of collisions. It's a lot of um, sometimes collisions into other players, rarely, but more often, more likely, it's collisions of the knees as you slide repeatedly um, down onto the floor. And you got to watch out for that. Ideally, when you slide, you want to have your knees bent a little bit so that you do, um, and your hips a little bit more extended so that you do kind of land on the meat of the quad muscle in that way instead of right on the knees. Again, another good reason, another good benefit for having strong quads, not only for fast agility movement and staying in that crouch position all the time, but for having a little bit extra cushion as well and not kind of banging right on bone in that area. So, what and kind of the idea of the libero here, um, it gives me a bit of nostalgia too. It reminds me of some of the training for that, training for goalie for soccer. Um, I was a keeper for a while, for a couple years, for three years for my soccer career. I played a little bit of left defense back too, um, but loved my time as keeper. It was crazy, it was thrilling, it was, I was nervous for it, um, but being the spine, the backbone of the team like that, it's a very similar position for the libero in that if they don't kind of crash down to save it a lot of the time and keep it airborne and directed the right way, that's a goal, it's a point given up. So there are, they often are one of the first lines of defense in many ways for the volleyball. But it reminds me of a lot of the training drills we do for being in that crouch position, position sprawling out as long, as wide as we can, reacting to the ball very quickly. Only thing for goalie, for soccer, you're doing it more of this plane that's kind of in front of you as you have your hands and feet ready. But for the libero, you're doing it much more in terms of the plane of the floor and really protecting the floor. Just like the plane of the floor is like the plane of the goal. 
Um, so it's, it's an interesting comparison there with the diving and everything, but you need a lot of quick agility from the ankles, from the hips, um, and be able to have the core strength too, because not only do you have to make contact with the ball, but you have to change the surface of your arms, of your hands, when your arms are fully outstretched. That for somebody who doesn't appreciate the nuance of the sport as much, that's a very, very challenging thing to do. It's, um, yeah, it's, let me put that, yeah, it's very, it's very challenging um, to have it drawn out so much um, in that area. And so you have to have the core control because sometimes if your core isn't strong enough, what, what's going to happen is that your arms are going to be outstretched and, you know, you don't have the control to move them as well because ultimately muscles are either stabilizers or prime movers in a movement and we run into issues and fati early fatigue, lack of control, lack of stabilization when muscles are acting as both the prime movers and the stabilizers. If your core isn't strong enough, your arms are gonna have to be more stabilizers in that role with kind of a floppy core, which means you're not gonna be able to be a, able to be a spring and jump around as much. But in addition to that, if your arms are so worried about stability, you're gonna have less control over the direction where you send that ball to. So believe it or not, core strength is an immense amount of coordination um, for the libero for diving in there. So I'm doing, again, in that position that they find themselves in, is a lot of finesse control from a extended position from the arms, or I should say arms would be flexed overhead, um, but a lengthened position of the body with a good strong core. So those are the kind of the core movements that I'm gonna mimic. I'm gonna mimic a lot of overhead lifting things, both in terms of standing up and long-term explosion up there and kind of reaching back into full flexion overhead and fine-tune control while keeping that core nice, strong, and stabilized. And again, this is jumping training. This is in sport. There's gonna be a lot of perturbation or knocking around movement. So I'm gonna try and mimic that in all different planes of motion um, with gravity's influence in there as well in different ways with the body. So variability, again, um, is essential, is key for this because, I mean, all the possibilities exist out there for where the person has to move, where the libero has to dig to get that ball. So getting variability in elbow position, sometimes you gotta be short, sometimes you gotta be long, and variability in terms of which directions are you jumping and being able to be comfortable and confident getting to any position on the field at one time. So you've gotta have good knee health, you've gotta have good hip strength and range of motion to get you there and good flexibility. You've gotta be ready to be on the ball of your feet and just spring and dive really, really fast. And here's what we don't talk about as much. You've gotta be able to get up quick too, to get up to reset because when we're doing this, when we're going through these motions, it comes back. It's never just that you're going through it and then, okay, I'm, I'm done. No, the play is always live. And as quick as you hit the ball over the net from your two or three touches, the other team's always coming right back. So it's a quick reset as well. Anyways, thanks for joining me on this episode today. Uh, driving back from my wonderful time in Maine. Had a good time visiting my friends up in Bath. Just saw a buddy of mine I haven't seen in another four years down in Portland. And great time down there. We had a Red Claws game with my friend last night for the main Red Claws who are the G League team of uh, the Boston Celtics. That was a blast seeing some of their guys there. Uh, Taco Fall was unfortunately not playing. He was injured with a knee injury. Bummer not seeing him. Uh, but we did see uh, Vincent Portier 
uh, then uh, blanking out his first name, but Waters, um, whom the Celtics drafted as well. He was there, out there playing, balling it up, working real hard. Uh, they did lose by five points, but there's never more than a, there's a, I think a seven point lead by the other team at one point, but other than that, there's never really more than a five to six point lead. And it was back and forth all night. Great, fun game to be going to. I want to say the end score was something like 113 to 108. Had a complete blast. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. It's been a ton of fun. It's been a great road trip. Heading back to New Hampshire now for a couple days. And then after that, we on to Boston, we on to Connecticut, and we on to Pennsylvania from there. All right, y'all. Keep it real out there. Simply not easy.